Welcome back. Jordana Green here from WCCO Radio, joined as always by my co-host, Kate Kelly, PNC Regional Bank President. And we are back for another installment of See Speak Minnesota, the language of executives and our podcast. Kate, so thrilled about this next episode. I am too, Jordana. This will be great. Looking forward to visiting with Carl this morning. Yeah, me too. Now, Carl's been on my show, but I know you and he are new friends, correct? Yes, but we've been um, visiting a little bit recently, and it's just every time it's been fascinating. I'm looking forward to this. Well, let's tell our listeners a little bit about Carl Benson. Uh, As former president and CEO of the Minnesota Black Chamber of Commerce, Carl Benson spent the last two years committed to serving Black-owned businesses and their communities through access to business education, to advocacy and economic development. And Carl is focused on Black for-profit businesses. It's focused on community-based organizations and Black creative entrepreneurs in the cultural and lifestyle space. Now, I first spoke with Carl after the death of George Floyd, and we are so fortunate to hear from him today about his needle-moving ambitions for Black entrepreneurs. You know, Jordana, Carl's bio is so impressive. As you mentioned, he was the president and CEO of the Minnesota Black Chamber of Commerce. Carl has 20 years of experience in business development, sports marketing, and strategic communication in business, sports, and entertainment with brands such as Nike, Jordan, Apple, and Pepsi. In 2020, Carl was honored with the Outstanding Accomplishment Award by Voices Magazine in Business Leadership member of the 2020 cohort of the Leadership Twin Cities, and breaking news, he has been designated as one of the Twin City Business 100 People to Know in 2021. It's so timely that our listeners are getting to know you today, Carl. I know, look at that. Yeah, Carl, breaking news here on the podcast. I know, isn't that That cool? (laughs) (laughs) So, Carl, let's just address sort of what I always think is the elephant in the room. Why is there a need a black chamber of commerce. How is that different from like the Minneapolis chamber of commerce? And forgive my ignorance on this one, but educate us about why we why we need it. Absolutely, and thank you both. I thank you both for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, as I mean, the black chamber of commerce primarily, when you think about it. Um, it's like your traditional chamber of commerce, but the traditional chambers of commerce in the past, and to some degree, the ones now don't necessarily focus on black owned businesses specifically. Um, a lot of times it's a catch all for minor- minority businesses, and which covers not only uh, women, vets, other clearly uh, races and whatnot. So what we really try to do with the Black Chamber of Commerce is really put a laser focus on the Black-owned businesses in the in the cities, both Minneapolis and St. Paul, but the state of Minnesota as a whole. And I think that over time, you'll see that realistically, it's never happened. It's never been a, a point of focus for Chambers of Commerce as a whole. So I always tell folks who say, why is there a need for a Black Chamber of Commerce? And I say simply because the current Chambers of Commerce don't focus on Black businesses like I feel or we feel should happen. So. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Carl, I'm wondering if you could help us um, explain land banking. To advance Mm -hmm. Black businesses and communities, you use this term. Could you share this concept with us and perhaps kind of explain why it has been so hard for Black owners to have land banking in the past? Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way to think about land banking is primarily the the idea of not only investing in your business from savings accounts and uh, business education and those type of things, but also owning the land that your business is on. 
or buying land and then building your business on it. Um, over the past, I mean, clearly history has been built on the uh, acquiring land and building on it and then growing uh, legacy through it. And white developers, white business owners, uh, they've been doing it for centuries, right? So it, it's been happening. The idea now for what I feel the black business community can do and black communities as a whole is sort of create that opportunity for ourselves as well. Um, we all probably know about Tulsa and um, the opportunities of Black Wall Streets and, and, and the ideas that say, hey, if you create this space, if you have this land and start to build it out, you, be, you build community, you build the bank, the doctor, the grocery store, all Black owned in, a, in an area that's kind of like, oh, this is what community feels like. And to do all of those things, it really takes having that space and having land to do it on. Um, so for me, it's, it's a priority that I don't think people are even thinking about from a black community business standpoint. Um, but it's something that I feel is completely necessary as we build out into the future. And that's really how it all starts. I mean, uh, black people in our country have such a disadvantage uh, in even owning land in the past. I mean, we, we didn't address, you know, redlining or just all of the Jim Crow laws that prevented them. I just feel like, um, this is an obvious example of how black business owners, you know, are starting from a different starting point. Correct. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest part is that it should be obvious, right? But I think that the challenge that I've faced in having conversations, um, not only interviews like this or conversations like this, but sitting in meetings in rooms with, you know, I won't name names, but politicians and business <laughs> owners and CEOs and whatnot, you say to yourself, this isn't clearly obvious to them. Um, the ah. disparities and equities are not clearly obvious or they're choosing not to deal with it. I, and I, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they just, you know, maybe not thinking of it the same way. Um, but at the same time, it's clearly not obvious. Well, I think that's a little generous, but thank you for explaining that to us. <laughs> right, very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, land. Uh, clearly, land is one of your initiatives, and at least, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. certainly a great starting point. Uh, tell yep. us about one of your other initiatives called Black Entrepreneur Centers. What is this? Yeah, yeah. So, actually, the way I look at it, land is just a starting point for building out um, similar things that I mentioned before, but uh, Black Entrepreneur Centers or Black Enterprise Centers. Um, the way we look at that or the way I look at that is sort of having those spaces that allow folks to get business, black businesses, to get that technical assistance they need. Um, to look at um, where do they go? What space do they go to to sort of help create um, and grow their businesses? So if you're a restaurant or you're a chef, um, you need a space, a kitchen or otherwise that says, hey, I need to test out some recipes, uh, possibly get some mentorship from a General Mills or somewhere along those lines to, to sort of talk through how I'm doing things, but then also get understanding on how to package those things up, how to get them into retail. Um, but it needs to be in a space, I believe, that um, is focused on black, uh, other black entrepreneurs who are doing the same kind of type of work, um, which would then allow them to sort of bounce ideas off one another, begin to get the resources of some of the, the bigger uh, corporate companies. And, and I think that really what's happened in the past is 
independent consultants like myself or otherwise will come into a person's space and tell them what to do with their space or tell them what to do with their business. Um, whereas it's, it's oftentimes easier to bring that business owner into a center or into an educational space like a college or a school. And then all the other trainers and teachers come to them to sort of figure out where their business plan is, where it lapses in um, opportunity, where they created opportunities. And I think that that's really what it's about when we say, um, the entrepreneurial centers. There's one being built right now. I think they're, they're tentatively calling it Dreamland out on 38th, uh, 38th and 3rd in Minneapolis. And, and the general idea there is putting it in the community, making it part of the community. So not only are you getting a business education and you're understanding how to run your business, grow your business and create and foster ideas, but you're also getting that community uh, cultural experience um, all in one space. So that it, on that block, you're feeling... So similar to what I said before, um, you're feeling a block or a space or an area where you can come in, be yourself, be authentic to what you do and how you do it. Um, and creating those throughout the city is kind of my idea. So I think the idea is that it's great to have one in Minneapolis. It's great to have one in St. Paul, but there needs to be, they need to be dropped in throughout the city where we're downtown, clearly, um, both downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul, just spaces that allow folks to come in understand how business is done, how to understand how business works, and then continue to grow and foster and thrive your business uh, and the economic uh, climate as a whole. You know, um, building on that, Carl, as everyone knows that has launched a business, support is key. And not only room to dream, but a little help lighting the fire mm -hmm. and let's say fanning the fire. Um, can you share your vision for the black cultural ideation and social space? What I'm thinking about with this is primarily along the lines of saying, if you even even take for the simplest way, a corporate office um, and you use Target, US Bank, whatever it is, a corporate space, but within that space, there's a, uh, a black cultural center that focuses on all the, all the ideas of folks calling me in the last eight to nine months saying, hey, Carl, we need to understand how to address black business. We need to understand how to communicate with black business. We need to understand how to market to black owned companies, businesses, and otherwise. Well, those things should be part of a culture within every um, Fortune 500 company. At mm -hmm. the same time, there needs to be a social space outside of that that allows for not only the, the ideas to come out and the brainstorming to start and the collaborations to begin, but then that social space to sort of let your hair down, if you will, and relax and just sort of talk about some things either over a cocktail or, or, or just lunch, coffee, whatever it is, and say, this is how I'm doing it. I'm a black business in this field or this industry. Um, so now they have a space as well. And you see a lot of these WeWork spaces pop up all over the city. Right. Um, these WeWork spaces do that, right? They, they're currently there for that reason. Oftentimes people go there to do work during a pandemic or otherwise, but really what it's there for is really to be an opportunity to meet other people um, doing similar things um, at a time where you're being encouraged and being able to sort of foster those ideas creatively and then take them back to those spaces within companies and sort of work through the details of how to really get it to the next level. And I think that that's really something that I feel it's missing in, in, in great resources from the standpoint there's not multiple, there's some people doing it, let's put it 
fairly. There's there's a couple of ladies that I know specifically the Coven is doing it and Render Free is doing it. Um, but I think that there needs to be more of that. And there needs to be an opportunity for it to be embraced at a corporate level, a city level, a political level to say this is important. It's important for not only business, but it's also important for the community um, of Black folks uh, and how they they work and how they live and how they thrive. It sounds simple. And I'm sure like at PNC Bank, well, when you guys were in the office, you yeah. had open spaces, you had people that can share, you had things like that. But, you know, I mean, exactly what he's saying, black entrepreneurs, people that are just starting out, that doesn't exist for them. And it's such, um, obviously it needs to go from idea to drawing board to making it actually happen. So thanks for explaining that, Carl. Oh, that's so terrific, smart. Carl. Love it. Yeah. 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 It, um, it's, it's something that I'm passionate about. And I think that I'm, I'm gaining a little traction finding some folks that are passionate about it as well from a corporate and the community level. So I'm excited. Well, let, let's talk about that traction. That's, I mean, that's what I want to talk about uh, because we also are, you know, Kate and I are here to help. We, we, we do these podcasts because we learn about other people's business, other people's businesses, but we're hoping people take the ideas they hear there and run with yep. them. And, um, you know, you, you and I know that after, you, you and I met after the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and I talk about on my show, what I say is a racial awakening. Oh, at least for white people it is. It's a racial awakening for white people. Like black people have always known what's, what's going on. And I feel like white people are now going through this racial awakening in our community. So, so let's, you know, let's talk about what the community at large can do mm-hmm. to help some of your ideas come to life. Mm-hmm. People always say, oh, how can I help? How can I support? Um, you know, I tell my kids what, what we're going through is not a summer project. We need to keep the ball rolling. We need to keep it going. So yeah. what are your suggestions for the rest of us yeah. grownups out there to, to keep that ball rolling? What do you need, Carl? Yeah, so primarily what we're looking for are a couple of different things. One is um, the cities, uh, both the, the city governments, um, the state governments to say, look, we have this land and it's underused for whatever reason. It's vacant. We're not using it. So my, my thought process is primarily, can you then allocate that to an organization or individuals like myself who say, then we need, we need it. We want this space and what we want to do on it is build out this particular area to do some of the things I talked about, Black entrepreneur centers or Black uh, cultural centers throughout the city. So that's really looking at the whole map of the city, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and saying, where can we put these things? Where is this land available? And then for me, I mean, oftentimes, you know, in, in larger cities, they, they sell it to folks for a dollar or $2 or whatever it is, and then they build upon it. That then allows job creation clearly with either a black construction company or black marketing and black architects, all the stuff that go into it. So it starts to feel like it's part of the community that's being built. So that's one, you know, working from the, from the, from the city or government standpoint. But then there's also just um, folks like yourself to sort of say uh, at PNC Bank or U.S. Bank or Wells Fargo or whatever it is to make it a priority. And you say to yourself, okay, we do have conference rooms throughout our buildings. We do have spaces within our buildings. So who are you? Um, Where are you? Um, And are you open to do this? Are at the highest levels of decision making, are they saying this is important enough to us to have these folks be a part of what we do on a daily basis? So we can go in and have that business education with finance people at that level or marketing people at that level. And they're just in the building with us. They're working with us. Our networks are now growing as well. So I think that really that's one of the easier parts, in my opinion, um, for folks who already have these large corporate offices to say we're going to create and dedicate space within that 
to sort of bring these folks in. So it doesn't take quite quite a racial awakening or a death of a, an individual to sort of people wake up and say, I need to do more. It has to be part of your culture to begin with, and mm-hmm. which allows for now the creativity to come out um, in, the, in the moment. And I think, yep. you know, finally, you know, finally, it's really about, it's really about making it important. Um, and, and people calling me and saying, hey, Carl, um, I'm ready to do and not necessarily talk about doing. Because I, I believe we've eight months of this, quite honestly. Um, if you haven't figured, if you're an organization who hasn't figured some of this stuff out already on what you're looking to do and hadn't had the conversations and small group meetings and cohort meetings and meeting after meeting after meeting, sooner or later you have to act. So what, we're, what I'm saying right. is we have to get to that point of doing right now. And so it's really going to take it, it, it and it will take folks in power. Um, it, it, it's the white folks, it's the corporate folks, it's the political folks, all the folks that say this is now a priority and we're done mm-hmm. talking about it. We're looking to right. do it um, and I'm ready to go. So that we're, we're excited for that, for sure. Yeah. I think it, the timing is just outstanding and your ideas and the creativity. It's just the timing is now. And if I were to use PNC as an example, like in June, we announced a commitment of $1 billion to help end systemic racism and support economic empowerment. So, you know, that is a commitment. And we were really uh, lasered in on not just talking, but doing a lot of key actions. And those actions are going to take a little time to sift down. But I know for us, we're going to really, you know, continue to take that Main Street banking approach and having it channeled through our community, you know, banking channels and our philanthropy in the, in the local markets. So I think that, you know, again, people have identified it and now they're working on the laser specific actions that they can take. And then your creativity and just, I just love how you're making it part of the daily culture of companies versus just big old projects. You know, those have to happen too, but the culture has to be such that people are just so comfortable and it's just second nature to gather in these uh, meeting spaces and have this ideation center going on. I just love it. And I think um, I'm looking forward to what you and your leadership can do, especially in our community, but it's going to take off, I'm sure, in um, most of the major communities as well. So thank you for your leadership. It's terrific. You bet. Thank you. I would. Cha- I will challenge not only PNC Bank, but others to say, while you're going through that process with the billion dollars and figuring out what to do with it, to bring um, either folks like myself or black people in general to those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, oftentimes communities are set up in a way that's like there's policymakers, there's people in force policy, and then there's a people that everything is being um, put on, right? So that's the community. So the business population, black business population, oftentimes we have these policies that are made up and someone sort of creates this opportunity. Here's someone that's going to institute it for you. But there's never a point where those black businesses are at the table and saying, here's what we need to do. The black cultural um, touch, fingerprint ideas aren't there. So I would always recommend that when these processes are going, these large sums of money, $1 billion, $2 billion, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that you think about that on the front end and say, here's what we're donating. There's amount of money. Um, hey, Carl or whomever, um, come in, be with us as, as part of this process as we work through it to figure out the best way to use it, the best way to sort of do those things. And I, I think that that's just always a challenge. Sometimes states like Minnesota, it's, it's sometimes tough because it just – Oftentimes we think giving the money is enough. Um, just nope, if we put nope. this money somewhere in, and I think oftentimes it's really being able to sort of bring those communities, business community or otherwise along for the ride. So. 
You know, I think that's kind of what I was saying from a main street, working from the community backwards. And I think yep. um, really a great points. I agree. Yep. That's one of the reasons I love this podcast, because you know what? Carl Benson and Kate Kelly are now BFF. And <laughs> I love it. they can call each other and say, you know, I think about this would be a good idea. And I think this would be. So um, I love how I, I love the connection of this, which is wonderful. I don't have a billion dollars, but I am grateful to be part of the process uh, in any way. Uh, Carl, before we, left, before we let you go, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanna share with the community at large? Any other ideas milling about that you wanna throw out there? Just anything we missed? Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, one, I wanna thank you again for the opportunity, but for me, it's really about reaching out, right? Reaching out to me directly. And I think you'll have my information, contact information, email, LinkedIn, you'll have all of it. Um, I'm one of those type of people. I'm really about building relationships that are, are, are meaningful, um, intentional, and sharing and caring. And I think that the reality is that I want people to know that they can pick up the phone, you have my phone number, give me a call, and let's work together. Because um, I think that really, this is something that I'm going to do anyway. I, I want support. I want to, I want help with it clearly, but it'll take longer if I do it all by myself, but the more help I have, it, it'll uh, really be supportive and appreciated. It's going to take all of us, right? This is it sure. is. Yep. It absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh, Carl Benson, we wish you the best. We know where to find you. We have your <laughs> number. So um, we will definitely be in touch. And Kate, this was just, um, it was just so great to see you guys connect and talk about these just large scale ideas. Carl, we want to thank you so, so much for joining us on Speak, C Speak Minnesota. Thank, thank you, you, Carl and Jordana. It's been great. Thank you both. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care. You got it. Kate, always amazing to have guests. I mean, you know, we, we run the gamut here from XL Energy uh, to guys like Carl Benson, who are, yes, very accomplished in his own right, but on the ground. He knows how to make things happen, how to make change. He's talking to people who uh, want to be the change makers. And I just think it's uh, fantastic to hear him talk about not only the big ideas, but how they can actually be implemented. I mean, I'm sure you see that at PNC Bank. Someone says an idea out loud, you guys have the ability to implement that. And I think we're in that space in our culture now. Oh, I agree. I mean, putting these ideas, I, I, the thought comes to mind, the fabric of the community and the, the more we're just ideation, you know, having ideation sessions around this and mm -hmm. um, visiting with people like Carl and just brainstorming, I, things, wonderful things come together. We know they will. Well, Kate, always amazing to talk to you. And thank you for Likewise. listening. Li yeah, great to talk to you. You've been listening to C Speak Minnesota, the language of executives. We want to thank PNC Bank, of course, for sponsoring and WCCO Radio. And uh, we'll chat next month, Kate. Take care. I look forward to it, Jordana.